Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 73 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking about creating a signature service with Maggie Patterson. We had a great conversation about why it's important for business owners to have a signature service and how you can start developing this kind of a process in your own business. Maggie talks about how having a signature service changes the way that you market and the way that you price and can really help you show up as an expert and serve your clients in the best way possible. Maggie Patterson is a communication strategist, business growth consultant, and the principal consultant at Scoop Studios. With two decades of experience, Maggie has spent her entire career in client services and has been a successful entrepreneur for over 10 years. Today, she works with online and small business owners to help them implement smart strategies for business growth and to maximize the impact of their digital marketing. She's the host of the Small Business Boss podcast, has been on stage at events such as New Media Expo, Podcast Movement, and the Conquer Summit, and her work has been featured in leading publications such as Entrepreneur.com, Fast Company, and Virgin.com. Hi, Maggie. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So I read the bio at the top of the show, but can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? So I am Maggie. I come all the way from a little town near Ottawa, Canada. I'm actually a city girl trapped in the country. I've been here for almost 20 years and love makes you do crazy things. (laughs) But um, that move to the country kind of factors into why I do what I do now. So way, way back when, you know, 20 years ago, I was actually at the point where, you know, I was doing really, really well in my corporate career. And I actually moved to the country because I, you know, met my husband, fell love, got married, all that good stuff. And at the point we decided to have a family, I was kind of like, you know what? I don't really want to do this commute anymore. And I want to be home for my kid because it's an hour commute each way. And I was like, okay, so I went on maternity leave. I packed up my desk and I said to my boss, I said, oh, you might need the space while I'm gone. And I never came back and I went into business for myself. And 13 plus years later, here I am, I have a 14 year old and I've been in business ever since. But my business has definitely morphed and changed over the years for about eight, nine years. I was a very, very much kind of your very typical freelancer, you know, number of corporate contracts, didn't raise my prices for eight years. It's true story. And then I was kind of like, I'm kind of bored with this. What can I do? So I kind of reinvented myself and now I own a small content marketing agency. And I also mentor uh, service business owners that I call my small business bosses. Okay. So when you left your corporate job on maternity leave, had you been doing anything on the side or was it just starting from scratch once you jumped in? Uh, Completely from scratch. But here's the one caveat is, you know, I typically would not recommend most people quit their job. And you know, you have a baby at a house and wasn't terribly responsible. But the one thing I did have going for me is the environment I'd been in before was very, very entrepreneurial. 
uh, very much in that consulting role. So I had a really, really good network and I understood a lot of the nuances of not just how to do the work I did, but also how to run a business. So I think if you're kind of thinking of making the leap is how do you start acquiring some of those business skills so that you can do the things you want to do and you're not always stuck in this mode of like, um, what am I doing with this billing again, this invoice? Because there's such a steep learning curve. Yeah. I had the same experience when I left my job. It was a very small business. And so I got to see a lot of how that ran. And when I started my own business, like I already knew how the invoicing worked and all of those kinds of systems because I had seen it up close. So I think that was really helpful. And I think you said you jumped into freelancing. So you were pretty much doing the same thing you had been doing at your corporate job. You weren't starting something you had never done before. Oh my gosh, no. I mean, I'd been in at that point, you know, in communication six or seven years. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can totally do PR on a freelance basis. And I actually had, funnily enough, uh, one of my longtime clients went to my boss and was like, um, we're going to Maggie. And she's like, you're going to break the non-compete. And then she thought about it and she was like, you know what? She had gotten, you know, kind of some things along the way gifted to her. And she was like, I'm going to let you break the non-compete and give you this client. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, so good. That is. So how did you transition into working with creatives and small business owners? So I had done like what a lot of us do is I had been kind of circling around the internet groups and everything else. I was like, oh, there's this whole other word here that is not just, you know, kind of mid-sized to large enterprise corporate clients. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I started getting really active in some different Facebook groups. And my complete MO for that was, okay, I'm just going to try this out. I had the safety of my corporate contract still. And I was like, I'm just going to be really insanely helpful. So I would just show up. I would be of service. And people started to notice and started to ask me like, hey, could you do this for me? Hey, could I hire you for a consult for this? So, you know, I kind of put in my time and built up that no like trust factor so that people felt really comfortable with me and they knew, knew who I was versus kind of dropping into that community and being like, hey, look at me, buy my thing. Yeah. All right. So what we're talking about today specifically is creating kind of a signature service for your business so that you can raise your prices and really work with the people you want to work with. So why is that so important for business owners? So when you typically work with clients, we tend to go into this default mode of, I'm going to charge you X per hour and I'm going to work X hours for you, which is not a bad thing if you're making enough per hour. But at a certain point, you're doing a lot of repetitive tasks. You're doing a lot of things that can be systematized and can help you be more efficient. And then there also comes a point in your business where you're like, um, okay, this is great. I'm making $75 an hour, but how do I actually make more money? So creating that signature service lets you systematize and package your expertise and also raise your prices. Okay. So how do you recommend people start developing this process for themselves if they're still in kind of the freelance mindset, they're just charging hourly for stuff? How do they go about figuring out what they should offer and then setting it up. Yeah. So there's kind of some interim steps along the way. So if you are in this situation where you are literally right now trading time for dollars, it's, you know, $75 per hour. And that's how you're working with your clients. What I would encourage you to do as a first step is start to package your services. So 
you know, have set deliverables, set results you're going to deliver and really package things together in a way that even if you're still charging by the hour, you're starting to define that working relationship a little bit more and it becomes easier for you to kind of manage and control. And then I think once you've done packages for a while, it starts to become really clear to you where the opportunity is for that signature service. So a couple of things I always like to look for a signature services. Number one is something you're already doing, you've been doing for a while, and that you can systematize and you can really bring some structure to so that it can really showcase your expertise. One of the other things I need, like to look for is I love for a signature service to be kind of a lead-in. So if you were a designer looking at, okay, so is this my kind of brand development process? If you're a copywriter, is this your messaging process? Looking at something at the beginning of that services that you can go in really strong when you're talking to your prospect and say, hey, this is how we do things. This is why we do it. And this is how it sets you up for success in everything else you're doing. Okay. So when in business should somebody start developing this? Yeah, great question. So number one indicator is you're doing the same thing over and over. Um, you know, you're that copywriter who's always having to do messaging or content strategy, or, you know, you're an illustrator who needs to gather information up front in a certain way. So start to look for that pattern. Also look at your business. And if you're kind of at the point where you're like, okay, so I'm maxed out with client work or I just simply cannot command the amount of money I want per month. That becomes a great kind of green light to say, okay, so how can I actually make more money doing the same thing in a much more efficient time frame? Okay. So it sounds like one part of this is figuring out how to systematize things so that you can be more efficient. You have this repeatable process. And the other part is kind of figuring out that this is the thing you're going to offer then do you drop some of the other stuff and say that you're no longer doing that? Oh, see that <laughs> individual choice. So I would definitely encourage some prudence. So, you know, don't pull the ripcord and be like, all right, I'm only doing this thing. I would really encourage people to go through kind of a beta period. So my messaging and storytelling signature service that I developed probably about four years ago I rolled that out for a good three to three to four months where it was at an introductory price. And I wanted to get as many people as I could to run through this kind of new structure I'd put together. And it had been work I'd been doing for years, but I really formalized it. You know, I had everything set in a way that when a client came in the door, I knew exactly what to do and the client knew exactly what to expect. Um, so I would really, you know, test it out and make sure it is exactly what it needs to be and it's delivering the results that you want for clients before you start axing things. But here's an actual interesting twist on that question is what you can actually start to do is start to build that signature service or that signature process into other things you're doing. So, you know, going back to the example of storytelling and messaging work I was doing, I started to require that to be a prerequisite for any copywriting project I would take on. So it put a lot of form and structure and really helped to set me apart from other copywriters. I wasn't just sending an intake and being like, yeah, I'm going to write your about page. I was like, no, 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 no. We have to do this storytelling work first. So I wasn't dropping services. I was kind of using it as a way to reformulate and reposition them. Okay. And I think I kind of have developed a signature process and it certainly helps me as the business owner. I know what the steps are that I need to take, but it's also a lot easier to explain to somebody why they have to go through this to get the results because this is how we do things 
and it helps set you apart because you're not just jumping in and saying, okay, I can do whatever you need me to do and we'll just figure it out. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, that is like from a sales and sanity point of view, number one reason to do a signature service because a lot of us get into this business and we don't necessarily have the quote, you know, kind of sales skills. Um, we feel really awkward talking to prospects. And when you have a very tight process and you know what exactly you're going to be delivering, it gets a lot easier to say, okay, so for your, what you're talking about, we would do X, Y, Z. These are the steps we follow. These are the kind of results you can expect. It's so much easier for you to be smooth and kind of calm, cool, and collected when you're talking to a prospect. Uh, because you know exactly what needs to happen. You're not doing the, um, uh, okay, let me put together a proposal, figure this out. It's very well defined and there's no surprises on either end. And it sounds like you kind of use this in sort of the start of any project and then you can go on from there. So if somebody needed to add on a different service that you offered, you've already got that base down and it makes it a lot easier to kind of keep them on board and keep working with them. Yeah. So, I mean, in our aid, the agency I run now, one of the things we always try to do is do a project with people first. So the services we tend to offer as projects are those signature services. So things like storytelling and messaging, content strategy, kind of those prerequisites for other work. And then from there, we're able to kind of test drive a client, make sure we want to work together, make sure they have the budgets that we like to see, and it's going to be a good working relationship. And then from there, we can move into more ongoing projects or even retainer work. Part of what it takes to run a successful online business is having the right tools for the job. I'm sharing a list of all of the tools I use in my business in my toolbox. And you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my-toolbox to download it now. These include tools that I use for podcasting, designing, running my business, and other things. So you can get a real inside look at everything that I use every day in order to serve my clients well and grow my business. Again, you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my-toolbox. So you mentioned that you like for people to beta test something like that. So how does that work? How do you get people to buy into this process that you're trying to create if you've never done it before? So here's one of the things you want to look for with your signature service is it shouldn't be something you've never ever done before. It should be something that you're formalizing. So if you think of across, you know, kind of the breadth and the depth of your experience, what is something you would consider your secret sauce or that's a little bit hard for people to grasp, but it's something you've done time and time again. So, you know, if you're going to be putting together a signature service, I would start to back into it into, okay, so this is going to be my beta testing phase and really make that enticing for people by packaging in a way that clearly shows your expertise. So, you know, don't just kind of throw it together and put it in an unformatted, ugly Google doc, put it on a sales page in your website make sure that you're doing supporting activities so people do see you as an expert about that. You know, are you, if you're blogging or podcasting, make sure you're talking about that. If you're doing a lot of podcast interviews or speaking or guest posting, making sure that you're really focusing in on that specific subject matter so that people start to associate 
you with that and really see you as the expert because the point of your signature service is to position you as an authority. So you don't want to be putting those kind of structures and promotion and visibility activities around it as well. And then for your actual beta testing phase, I'm a big fan of the intro price and just say, you know what, the price for this is going to be X, but I'm going to do this with 10 people first to make sure it kind of works, get those testimonials and everything else. So the story to story, which is my storytelling and messaging signature service. When I introduced that, I introduced it at 397 and I booked out, I think 15 people over, you know, that kind of that three, four months. That was bananas. I don't recommend that many people, but <laughs> I, I was like, all right, I'm going to ride the wave. Now I charge anywhere from 1297 to 1597 for that service. So you can see over time, you know, I stair-stepped that price, but I started off with a kind of a no-brainer offer to get the experience and also to build up some buzz because what I really found from that initial group of people and the successes they were able to have as a result of having that message and that story clear is they went and told their friends. They went and told their clients. I was getting a lot of referrals in at that higher price point later because the system was proven and people trusted me to do it. Now, I know a lot of us have this fear that if we start by charging the lower price, we're going to have a hard time raising our prices. Did you find that that was the case or was it easier to raise your price when you had beta tested, you had these proven results? It's so much easier to raise the price once you have those testimonials and those results you can point to. And I think one of the things you want to do is go in with a plan. So if you're saying, okay, my service is going to be $3.97, make it a game with yourself and be like, okay, so when I book five, I'm raising it to $5.97. Have this pricing plan to back it up so that you follow through on it. And also too, that you don't have an emotional response to, oh my gosh, I've only, I've had two people. I better double the price because it's too cheap. That's probably not the case. You just need more eyeballs and more, you know, be generating more interest on the front end. So have that pricing plan and kind of a strategy for uh, what that's going to look like. And also be really clear with people. Like I'm only booking people in at this rate for the next two weeks and the price is going to be going up. Price increase is a very powerful motivator for a lot of people that actually get their butts into gear. Yeah. And I think if you told people up front that you're raising their prices, when they refer you to somebody, they're not going to say, oh, it only cost me $3.97. They're going to let them know like going in that it's going to cost more because you've already prepared them for that. Exactly. And I think, you know, if you are going with that lower price, you do want to include that messaging around it. So people don't think it's a discount offer because ultimately your signature service needs to be, have that premium pricing because it is that lead in offer. And that's going to get you a better caliber and quality of client overall. Okay. So we talked a little bit about this, but can you give any other ways that having a signature service like this changes the way that you market to your clients? You know, honestly, it simplifies a lot of things because if you're creating this signature service, probably for six to 12 months, that should be the only thing you're really talking about. And I think if you're a content creator or you're doing a lot of kind of outbound marketing, one of the things we tend to fall in is we want to talk about all the things all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, as entrepreneurs, we're very passionate about a lot of topics. So this really lets you like, this is the only thing I'm talking about. If that kind of scares you, let me be like, okay, so if the topic of your signature service is branding, what are all the associated things around that you can talk about and really try to stay in your lane and focus in on that message? Because when you're jumping around all the time, no one gets to know you for a specific thing. You want them to be like, hey, you know what, Samantha, I go to her for X. It's very clear because that's all she talks about. And I, I, this is something um, we're doing in our content marketing agency right now is that, you know, case studies are really 
uh, lucrative area of the practice for us. So all we're talking about in our content marketing is case studies. And guess what? Inbound leads are coming for case studies. And I'm sick of writing about case studies. It's only been like three months, but I'm writing about them for the next like nine months. I don't know how many more times I can tell people how to do interviews, but I'm going to do it because that repetition, while it's boring for us as business owners, it's really important to our external audience because they don't consume every last thing we create. Right. And they don't know everything that we know. So we can explain something that seems very basic to us, but they've never heard of it. Yeah. Like I wrote a blog post a few weeks ago about how to structure your case study. People loved it. I got so much good feedback and I was like, really, this is really boring stuff. Really boring (laughs) to me. (laughs) Okay. And then with a signature service, I'm assuming that also simplifies kind of the onboarding process and all of the things behind the scenes that have to go on in order to get those results for your clients. Yes. Oh my gosh. So this is, this is probably one of the best things about a signature service is you're going to document, you know, what is the onboarding process look like? What is that intake form going to look like? You know, every last step of that process is going to be set out and it just becomes really repeatable. And this became very, very helpful for me as I started growing my team for the agency. So when we went to do storytelling and messaging, I was able to say to one of our employees, like, Hey, you know what? here's the process you're going to follow and have, you know, have her kind of shadow me doing it a couple of times. And then she had everything she needed to go ahead and do that. And then, you know, what becomes really interesting is also too, once you have that process down and you really, really start to use it and prove it out, there's so many ways you can start to take that and everything you've created and start to package it differently. If you're thinking of creating a group program or a course or licensing or something in the future, this really becomes that cornerstone for it. Do you ever come across people who struggle to fit in this signature service that they don't like the timeline or something like they just don't seem like they want to kind of play in that ballpark you've set up? Yeah, there's always the exceptions. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I think there's kind of a couple different types of exceptions that I'm okay with working with. But I think what's really important is that you think about for your business, for your working style and everything else, kind of what works for you and what doesn't. So the way a lot of our signature services are created at this point is they're meant to be done in a very compressed timeline. So if someone wants to stretch that out, um, I do make sure that they pay in advance and that there is an expiry date on when they can use that. That tends to be one of the most common ones. Um, The other one that will come up with a signature service is someone feels like they're special. (laughs) (laughs) and that they need like some sort of special treatment. So really, I think there's two things is, is this a red flag that this person's going to be just a bad client? Like, is, is this, you know, just not a great fit? Or can I add to this to kind of appease them and charge them more money? Okay. I love that you put an expiry date on these types of things because I have done this so many times that I map out a timeline for somebody and we get partway done and then things get busy and I'm sitting there like, okay, well, I'm not quite finished with your project, but I don't know how long I'm supposed to keep following up with you to get it wrapped up. Yeah. So this is, I am a super fan and this is hard won wisdom after many, you know, kind of projects that have gone off the rails, but things including in your contracts and having, you know, this is part of your process is what are my project timelines? What are the consequences for the delayed timeline, including things like a rebooking fee or a delay fee? 
if we don't meet the timeline for completion because the client isn't contributing or goes radio silent, what happens then? Having really, really clear things outlined that cover your ass so you can go back to the client and say, listen, I've been really flexible, but if you don't get this moving, we're now in a situation where I'm going to have to charge you the rebooking fee. And a little secret is I have my lawyer wrote every single fee known to man because I kept making up new ones over the last couple <laughs> of years. I don't ever use them. I just invoke them. I say, listen, I've been really flexible and thoughtful and I know you're having some stuff going on, but we need to wrap this up or I'm going to have to charge you this late fee. And then all of a sudden it's a priority again. That's good. And you actually, so you don't norm, you don't charge them, but you use it to say, I have the right to do this. You agreed to this. And so it's kind of a motivating factor. Yeah. And you know what? I would use, use it. I just haven't had a chance to yet. I'm not, I don't shy away from telling clients they need to pay me money. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. And you know, this is also too, when you're looking at payment structures with clients, a a lot of times what, you know, especially in creative fields, one of the things we do is we'll do like, oh, 50% upon delivery. No, 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 no. Get as much money up front. So instead of going on delivery timelines, which the client is kind of in control of is I love going by mile based things. So it's like they're paying based on dates, not on based on what you've gotten done because quite frankly, 9.5 times out of 10 when the project is off the rails, it's because the client is dragging their feet. Okay. I love that you mentioned this because it is so common. I have seen for the graphic designers, especially because that's the industry that I'm in is you charge 50% upfront and 50% when you deliver. And it was something I had to wrestle with. I was like, but what if we never finish? What if they don't pay me? You've put in so much time and then you're not guaranteed your payment. And for everybody else, I looked at specifically the wedding industry is they don't show up on your wedding day unless they are fully paid for something. Yeah. And I think that, you know, things like creative fields, often this is kind of the norm or, you know, in my case, working with corporate clients, the norm was that it would be net you know, I would build the end of the month and it'd be net 30. So what we want to be doing is setting up the payment terms that work for us and then negotiating from there. So I would challenge people to get, get uncomfortable, even get a little outrageous with how you ask for your payments. Like if something is below $2,000, I tell them it's pay in full, like right okay. now, because you can always negotiate a more favorable payment term for them. But if you're all always compromising. You're always starting with something that works for them. It's easy for them to kind of wiggle around it. So mm-hmm. be really, I think just be very clear and factual about it. It's like, Hey, this is how payments work when you work with us. That's the way it's written in my proposals. And very rarely do people come back and challenge it. I think it's one of those things where you have to start off really strict. And then yeah. once you've established those boundaries, you can be flexible later. But if you start off being really flexible, people not even because they're trying to take advantage of you, but they take advantage of the situation because they know that you're not going to sort of come down hard on them. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's, that's a good rule of thumb for pretty much working with clients in general, whether that be ensuring you get feedback from them in a timely manner or ensuring they pay you in a timely manner. If you're in an invoicing situation, (laughs) Um, my personal favorite, making sure they're not, you know, crossing the communication boundaries. So managing and really setting those expectations on all the things from day one, you know, I am very detailed in my proposals. 
so that there's no surprises that when I say like our office hours are nine to four, like I mean my office hours are nine to four. If I answer you after that, it's because I want to, not because it's expected. Okay. And all of this helps you when you have a signature service because you can say, I'm not charging you hourly. I'm charging you based on these set things I'm going to give you. And that's all laid out for them. Exactly. And you're going to have that system really tight so that they start to dance around it. You can be like, this is like this because of this. Like, and there's times where you may have to say to someone like, listen, you're hiring me for my expertise and my expertise and my counsel to you is X, Y, or Z. And this is why we're going to do it this way. Okay. Can you um, talk just a little bit about how you use feedback from your clients in the beta phase or just as you're going on to make adjustments to your service? So there's kind of two types of feedback you want to be looking for is that, you know, no holds barred (laughs) type feedback, the good and bad and ugly. And I think in your beta phase, you need to be open with that and honestly not get super romantic about anything about the signature service because you're going to discover things where maybe it's part of your intake process that feels too heavy or challenging to people. You know, are there places where people tend to get stuck and you need to refine that? Really just being open to getting that feedback in the beta phase is really important. And then I think the second phase of that feedback is it's less about feedback and more about gathering, you know, the positive glowing testimonials and making that part of the wrap up and offboarding process where you're continually getting that feedback. Um, The way I ask testimonial questions isn't like open season on for you to criticize me. I want you to tell me all the good things. And if there's kind of a hint that I think the client might have something less than favorable to say, then I'm going to kind of feel that out with them. But I think one of the things we tend to do is we tend to be like, you know, what would you change about this service? Well, if you're not willing to change something because you really feel strongly about this process and you've already tested it, you know, it works. Don't go changing for one client. Who's a bit of an outlier. Just don't ask that question. I think you're right that sometimes we have clients that are outliers. They think that you should change something, but really it works for everybody else. It's when you start to see repeated feedback on something that you might need to take it into consideration. Yeah. And I think this is where some self-awareness is important is paying attention to what your clients might be experiencing or the kind of the little flags along the way, not red flags, but little yellow ones where they're kind of, you can see there's trouble spots or difficulty in how you communicate or articulate part of the process. That I think is really important to just be constantly checking in being like, how is this really going? And how can you kind of tweak and tuck as you go along based on what you see those patterns being? All right. So do you have anything else you want to share about creating a signature service or marketing or any of that kind of stuff? One of the most important things about creating a signature service is that we a get comfortable and actually do this. A lot of times when I talk to people I mentor about this, they kind of put their, you know, their back goes up, their hands go up. They're like, I'm not ready for that. And if you've been delivering services and you've been working with clients for a while, I can guarantee there's something. It doesn't have to be big and complicated. It could start off as being something very straightforward and small to kind of dip your toe in the water. So I, I would encourage you at a certain point, you know, when you're answering some of those questions we talked about earlier about, you know, am I ready for this to start small and just give it a shot and stick with it. Um, it's not going to work overnight, but it is, if you put the time and effort to it, it will pay off. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. I like to give my audience three actionable steps they can take. Can you give us those based on the conversation that we've had? 
Absolutely. So the first step is start paying attention to what you're doing that can be repeatable or is kind of that secret sauce. Or where do you need to really have something that's more systematized and process driven so that you can be of greater service to your clients? So I would start there. Number two is if you were going to go ahead with your signature service, really focus on positioning yourself as that expert and that authority on that topic and do that work leading up to it. So it's not just, here's my signature service. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we launched to kind of crickets. And number three is be patient. When you're getting started with a signature service, this is a long-term thing to help you improve, not just you know your revenue stream, but also the ease of your sales, how you're able to deliver things. And ultimately, so you can spend less time kind of stuck in the weeds of your business and more time doing the work you want to be doing. All right, perfect. So can you give us an example of how serving your clients well and maybe specifically with this signature service that you guys have has benefited your business? So number one, hands down, is the year that I introduced two signature services, I had my biggest year in business I'd ever had. And from a revenue point of view, that was a significant bump. But here's what's really interesting is that year I introduced those services kind of, you know, August, September. So it resulted in some significant revenue lift. But what was really interesting is the following year, then my revenue increased by two and a half times. And I mean, that was a massive bump. Like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like I was going from 5k, you know, like I, it was, a, it was, you know, we were into multi six figures at that point. So what was really interesting to me about that is that the work we did took a while to pay off, but then it started to not just lift revenue in those areas is because we were known for those specific things. It started to help sell other services. And also it gave me kind of the, the security and the flexibility to be like, okay, so what do I want this business to look like versus heads down hour by hour client work and understanding, you know, where the real potential was for growth in the business. All right. So tell me two things that you're loving right now that can be business or life or both. Oh, so in business, I'll tell you what I'm loving. I'm loving my team. <laughs> Just this, these are going to be both seasonal answers. I'm loving my team because I know I can go on vacation and everything's going to keep running. So big gold stars and hearts for them. Um, and number two right now, I am loving personally, I am loving the lake because I wait all year long until it is lake season. And now we're into uh, going to my cabin every single weekend and spending time in the water and with family. And, oh, it's just, it fills my cup up and it makes the misery of living in Canadian winter so much better. <laughs> I love that, that you have created a business that allows you to enjoy that and have the flexibility and support your team by, you know, giving them income too. I think that is such a cool thing that we get to do as business owners. Yeah. And what I especially love is my full-time employee is actually my sister who happened to work at corporate marketing, just so everyone knows she was qualified for the job. <laughs> so, I mean, I see that direct impact as her employer and also as her sister, because I can see that, Hey, creating this job for her and this flexibility and this kind of lifestyle it, for her personally and how that benefits, you know, her marriage and my niece and all these other things. So I love seeing that. And I mean, I know this sounds weird, but I love running payroll and I love paying invoices for my contractors. I love it because I'm like, and my work here is done. I've done something good today. That's awesome. So what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? Oh, you know what I'm really excited for is I run a year-long mastermind, and in September, we have our second in-person retreat of the year. So 
I get to get together with everyone in Denver and spend three days with this group of amazing ladies and help them as a group. We get to work on their businesses, which is really exciting to me. That really, um, I would do that for free, but don't tell them that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Masterminds have been something that a lot of people have said they're loving because it really just pushes them forward in their business and they can kind of come together with people who are in it with them and can give them really good feedback on stuff. Yeah. And I think so many times, especially when you're, you know, a smaller solo business owner, you get so stuck in your day to day, you can't see opportunities. And I can think of probably two and a half years ago, I was at a mastermind that I was in and the group looked at me and they said, why aren't you doing this? And it was something that I was like, oh, so I actually, from that ended up creating my own mastermind for service business owners, because I was like, when my mastermind group, which is the group of smartest business ladies I know tells me to do something, I better do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my last question today is where can people find you online? So you can find me over at smallbusinessboss.co or you can listen to the Small Business Boss podcast, which is, well, pretty much anywhere you would find this podcast. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I think this is a great episode. It's something that I have been developing in my business and I think we all need to get there because it makes running a business so much easier. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I loved talking to Maggie. She is so smart and has a great way of communicating why having a signature service is so important. And she gave some really great tips during this episode. So her three action steps for you to take, as she mentioned, are number one, start paying attention to what you're doing that can be repeatable or that you need to systematize. Number two, focus on positioning yourself as an expert in what you're offering before you launch your signature service. And number three, be patient because this is a long-term process. I would also like to add a fourth action step because it was such a great thing for me to hear is that you should add an expiry date to the services in your contract. Make sure that you have something to let your clients know when their process needs to wrap up. And this will help you prevent ongoing projects that seem like they drag out forever. If you liked this episode, be sure to check out Maggie's podcast and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or screenshot this episode and share it on Instagram and tag me at lemonandthesea.com. I'd love to know what you're listening to and hear your feedback. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show. 